Hello and welcome to the third episode of On My Ones podcast. My name is Alvin Thor and I shall be your host for the show. Oof, guys, 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 today you will not believe who I have with me here. I'm speaking to the beautiful, to the wow. talented, yes. to the independent musician, Analo. <laughs> but I call Hi. her Nema, so Nema, please introduce yourself. I don't think I've given you an, a good intro. I think you can do justice to yourself. I mean, yeah, so my name is Nema Analo Kanga. Um, for music, a lot of people know me as Analo Kanga. And yeah, I'm a musician, a vocalist, but primarily a saxophonist. So yeah, I've been playing saxophone for almost six years. And I'm just, you know, your regular, degular, schmegular girl from the block. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't know it was six years. Oh, yes, when I, years. T- 2014, Jesus, Form 2 around those times. Yeah. Yeah, so Nama, um, first of all, I just want to start with your childhood because you surprised me when we last spoke and you told me that uh, you grew up in the US. So please tell me about that. Tell me more about it. So um, I was born in March and then March that then August, um, when I was three months old, we moved to the US. Uh, my parents were studying so my mom is a lecturer and my dad is a reverend in the church so yeah like strict strict you know Uh (laughs) yeah so they were both studying so the because me and my sister were young we were toddlers I mean I was an infant basically Mm -hmm. they took longer to study because they needed to like be there for us take us to school all those kind of things yeah, mm-hmm. so from 98 all the way to 2007, um, I grew up in the U.S. You know, the Kadogo black child with all <laughs> white babies. <laughs> Which actually, to be honest, it wasn't that great. But um, I learned a lot of independence because you're different from at an age where you don't even know what it means to be different, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and then also they're, they're not as exposed to people who look like me mm-hmm. black people so yeah it was interesting i can't say it was bad i also feel like uh, my pa- our parents really tried to shield us so is that the first instance you like first discovered race oh for sure for sure and you know actually i feel like for white people or you know um it's more of an issue than it is for us. And you see, like, I'm not an African-American, you know, as an American, I'm just an African. So here at home, as in, it's not, a, it's not even a thing. But yeah, it was, and I feel like at such a young age, people keep telling you, like, you're black, you're black, you're different. And you're like, oh, really? Like, it's that important, you know? Yeah, I, I get you, because when I first came in the U.S., I don't think back in Kenya, we were always, you know, told that you know you're black because everyone you see is basically like you so yeah. you never ever doubted like life back in kenya is just normal for you but once you come here and i find out that i'm the only let's say black kid in my math class yeah 
is when you see like that disparity and you're like oh wow mm. so the your childhood like your upbringing in the US do you think these were like formative years for your childhood definitely yeah. definitely uh-huh. i feel yeah and we went to like church oriented schools so um yeah we we grew up very very shielded very protected and also with like strict moral principles mm-hmm. from in those like small small ages of yeah it was it was really but it was different because i felt very um i can't say exposed but like exposed when i came back home and now adapting to a whole other culture and then also still not fitting in then people overreacting because i have an accent and it's like this tell me in fact english is my first language you know mm-hmm. yeah so there's also adapting home but home is better because home is always going to be home mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned you came back to kenya with an american accent yeah me and my sister <laughs> Um so when when did, did your parents used to teach you Swahili in the US or it was just strict English nothing else or how did you come to learn Swahili as well Okay so like when I came back I was like in class 3 mm-hmm. so and my sister was in class 5 so we were still relatively young but for the first whole year we used to learn Kiswahili daily after school because mm-hmm. my dad was so worried he was like you know people are going to treat you different if you can't speak swahili like for him it was like a project you know like he was worried so we had like literally a crash course in swahili for like a whole year then we are also young so adaptability is much easier and everyone is still learning swahili i mean it's class 3 <laughs> mm-hmm. you know <laughs> yeah so that's how we learned okay that's, that's cool that's cool um I like that you mentioned like your dad's a reverend. You know, funny enough, yeah. someone once told me, I think 2 years ago, that I have the potential to become a pastor. You? <laughs> yes, me. <laughs> Are you Catholic? No, I'm actually a uh, Presbyterian. Same. So, I don't know, maybe I think that the, the dream still there. I wouldn't mind becoming a youth pastor, I'll be honest with you. For real. Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's like deep. That's like deep. No, like honestly, I like I, how can I say this? Like I like praying for people, especially like my friends, my mm-hmm. family. Um anytime like I'm going through something, I'll like I'll always pray. So I feel like uh prayer is a big big thing for me and I don't know. <laughs> Might just decide to, you know, become a youth pastor. We'll see how life goes. Wow. More power to you by the way. <laughs> and those are like the jobs that are like vocations like it's you and God like it's deep. It's not just job. Yeah. But if you want to do it you should definitely go for it. Uh-huh. Nothing should stand in your way. We'll see, you know, uh when God's voice calls, but just follow. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like on a serious note it's true. When he calls you he's called you. Uh-huh. Yeah so ah oh, jeez now I told me about like how your musical journey began as a kid were you always interested in a particular type of instrument or were you those kids who you know you just hear a song you just start singing you know maybe it's MJ Michael Jackson uh, I don't know you know for me I was in a bus and you know obviously like the school buses used to play classic FM 
And obviously that's where, like, you know, are you, is it Classic FM or Classic 105? <laughs> classic 105. Classic 105, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like, that's the earliest memory I have of music. Just Classic 105 going to school in the morning and, you know, just vibing to some Tevin Campbell, you know. <laughs> yeah, so tell me about yours. How, what's your earliest memory you have of, you know, music? So definitely my earliest earliest memory of music is Sunday school, <laughs> you know, singing all the time. But um, for, for, since I was really small, uh, my dad also used to sing. So he used to sing for us in the car, like he used to put CDs in the car, we used to listen so much. And actually every time we're in the car from when we were really young, we were always singing with him. So for me, singing has always been like, a thing that I find easy to do. My sister sings, my dad sings. So yeah, I'd say my earliest memory is Sunday school. And from there, instrument came much later. But mm-hmm. for music, I think I've always been into music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also in like in primary school, we should never forget the beat for opening our eyes, eh? our small eyes to music. I think everyone has a personal relationship with the beat. You know, it really uh-huh. switched up. Yeah. So the beat also. <laughs> I, you know, for me, I don't even think I watched the beat. I used to catch glimpses of it because it's like for my family, I remember from a young age, I was never allowed to watch music videos. So I knew that was like forbidden. Mm. So anytime, like, you know, I'm switching to NTV and I'm trying to watch the beat, my mom comes, you can hear her at the gate. So I had to switch the TV very fast. So, you know, yeah. it was it was kind of sad, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't really watch it. Um, so why the saxophone of all instruments? I'm just very curious. Well, actually, um, my reason for picking up the saxophone initially wasn't that deep. <laughs> so I was um, from two going to from three, and I needed an instrument for music KCSE exam, and I didn't have one. So one, I was like under pressure of, I need to find something to do because I'm a music student. But two, I had a friend and her name is Yvonne. She was playing the sax at the time and it was so admirable. And then also Shamsi Music came to school once for a concert and Laka was playing the saxophone and I was like, I literally wanted to cry. So that's how I started playing. And the goodness of starting in high school is I had a foundation in like classical music theory. So by the time I was finishing high school, I had I was equipped to now start exploring and start like refining my skills. Uh-huh. Um, do you think theory is essential in order to play music? Or does it just like reinforce your understanding of of music? Okay, well, yes and no. So yes, because, you know, the goodness about, so for theory for music, it's like saying going to school to learn music per se, you know. And when you have theory, you have knowledge of your options, so, so to speak, as opposed to playing by ear or, you know, just like getting on the way without theoretical knowledge. Also, when you're in theory, you're able to troubleshoot. When you have theory, you're able to troubleshoot easier and you have, you'll have a more guided path 
to grow, whether it's in your instrument or your voice. So you're always sure that you're going to grow if you're starting from a point of theory. So for me, I think theory is essential. But in the grand scale of music, everybody loves music. Anyone can do music as long as you're interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about like now your high school days starting with the sax. Was it was it a difficult journey or how did you take it? I'd say yes. Like mm-hmm. I was really poor. Oh my god, I was so poor and you know I didn't have the speed on my fingers. Then also because sax is for blowing, you know, you build that um like a like strength in your diaphragm and all those kind of things, the muscles in your mouth, like you play, and then your jaw just drops out of fatigue and all that. So it wasn't easy. But I'd say for the first two years, um, I was focused on KCSE. So everything, all my practice was geared towards that. After high school, though, when now I started practicing, I had to do way more hours, like five, six hours a day. And I did around six hours consistently for around six months. So after that, like my playing really improved. Then now I was able to integrate it into my life. Two mm-hmm. hours a day, three hours, depending. Yeah. So what kind of pieces were you required to play in high school? Because maybe um, I would guess that perhaps like you're interested in playing another different genre of music as opposed to what they made you did in high school. So what did you do at that time? So we had band where uh-huh. we play um, whatever we like. So if we're doing covers of songs, you know, Beyonce or whatever, but for KCSC, it was classical music. Yeah. So for exam purposes, we had that, but we also had room during band and also music festivals to explore other genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let me just like take you a bit post high school, or maybe it could also be during high school because I'm not too sure. When did you join like KNYO? So I joined KNYO in Form 4, mm-hmm. uh, April. So in around February or March, uh, we did auditions with a bunch of other girls at school. And that's how I joined KNYO. So my first KNYO residential training was April of Form 4. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was like a really, it was a really ego boost. It was like now um, I feel like there's value or people actually feel like, you know, so it was really reassuring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's also a wonderful platform. Then you meet like, crazy musicians and these are musicians who are like 10 15 years older than me and my peers so it's like they really know their stuff you know yeah so it was very mind mind opening and stuff who okay let me let me make it short and ask you like tell me like two people that you met who for you like stood out like you remember these two people yeah from that experience yeah, so from Kenwayo, there's Peter Nyabuto, mm-hmm. and he's a tenor saxophonist, and he's amazing. I remember the first time I had him playing, and now he was like our tutor. So the first time I, and he, I, I had him playing, I was so impressed. Then there's also Philip Minor. He plays clarinet. Him, he plays everything, clarinet, sax, and all that. And yeah, so they're like much older. They're like 15 years our senior. 
So they are really stable. They've studied. They're people who have degrees in their instruments, and it doesn't get better than that. If you mm-hmm. have a degree, have a degree. You know, like mm-hmm. you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah that's mastery. Oof. Yeah. Yo, um, I discovered. Let me tell you what I discovered. I didn't even know this. This is uh-huh. this. I found out just recently that you've worked with Octopizo before. <laughs> That question, I was ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk, talk to me about that one. Uh, yeah, I have. That was uh, 2018. Uh-huh. For a long part of the I think for most of the year, actually, we did a couple shows. We did some music videos. Yeah, so I've worked with Octo. And for me, it was really natural because one, I love his music, everybody does. Second of all, hip-hop is the culture. You know, mm. East or West, it's always hip-hop. If you think about it, hip-hop is the culture. So playing in a hip-hop band, by the way, that was like, it was, and then all of these guys were like so good. They're so much older than me. Like I felt so intimidated, mm. but they were so reassuring. They really pushed me. So for a hip-hop band, now it's so different from playing like in Kenwayo. So in hip-hop, it's loud, blazing, banging, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you really have to be on top. Like two songs in, you're sweating, you know. But it was mm-hmm. fun. And he really believed in me and he really pushed me. So yeah, that was cool. That was pretty cool. How, how did like the opportunity come about? So it was interesting because um, I, I reached out to him in his dm and i told him uh yeah so i see the shows but you don't have a sax and that's what's missing you know from <laughs> the missing piece so yeah after that though um uh-huh. he went and did his homework on some of the band members they knew me we had played before and yeah so it's those ones of i had reached out then he did his homework then he'll they're like yeah that's really knows what she's doing so yeah, that's how I came on. So it was combined effort of Kujitolea and good reputation. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like yesterday is when I did so much like research with you as well. Cause there's a I think there's a period of time I went without social media for a year. So I didn't know what was happening. Now yesterday when I'm going through your stuff, I'm just like, where have I been? I've missed all <laughs> this you know videos of you playing i'm just like wow like anyway i'm not taking another social media break nah so <laughs> i think this one i might have seen you uh because i i did go for the for the play and it's it's working with quaver mm. i just want to know how it how it's like for you to combine i don't know if you acted or you're still just doing the music but how is it combining the music with you know like a play how's the mood setting for you do you feel nervous normally well okay um i can start from the back so nervous yes i have like the worst nerves everywhere and i always get like um waves of imposter syndrome you know and it's just like girl you know you're a fraud like you can't do this <laughs> you know it's all a lie but um for generally quiver acting singing dancing quiver by the way it's full of guys who are like extremely gifted so for me in quiver i'm on the music side so it's more of 
writing and arranging according to the play, the scene, setting the mood. So it's more of like movie, theater kind of music. So for that one, I'd say it's harder because you really have to combine minds with what they're doing. You can't also overshadow the actors, stuff like that, but it's fun. So yeah, just, mm -hmm. I'm on, just on the music side of Quiver as well. Can you say that some of the, uh, I don't know if I should term this as like most important people, but I think it's easier to say friends that you've had have come from Quaver. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, because of the, the environment, you know, and the older you get, um, your friends are just people who you share similar interests and similar uh, stuff with. So yeah, I'd say definitely so many of my friends um, I've gotten from Quiver or have joined Quiver because of music and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, and it's really like good friendships, like people who always got you and it's community. So, you know, you have someone who can dance, someone who's a producer, somebody who acts. It's cool, pretty cool. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, another thing I... I don't know, yesterday, yesterday was an interesting night for me because obviously I, I love jazz. Um, I think jazz is a very, how can I say, like emotional genre. Yeah. Because on one side, I can decide to listen to, you know, like the playful jazz, the one that makes me tingle, makes me want to move around. Mm -hmm. At the same time, like when someone's playing the sax and I just want to like cry and that's the exact feeling when I when I listen to mood shifting because <laughs> <laughs> it starts off you know very playful fun and then you just play the sax and I want to cry it makes me think yeah. about my life <laughs> and what, <laughs> what made you compose mood shifting what tell me like where you are you are at at that point in time that's that's, uh, that's actually a really nice question. One, because mood shifting is a sad song. And I feel like people don't get that. Like mm -hmm. everyone thinks it's not, it's a sad song. Like it's so sad. And that's the kind of emotion that I was trying to bring out. So to be honest, um, in my songwriting, because right now I have like um, about three songs that are on the way, like sooner than soon. But mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. So when I was writing mood shifting, I started from a theoretical point. So there are certain, um, what can I say, motifs that I wanted to bring out and theory aspects. But because of where I was emotional, it turned into an emotional project. So where I was at that time was the pits, <laughs> the pits. And, you know, music is my, it's my best outlet. Like, I feel like I'm not able to commit communicate as clearly as I do when I play. So yeah, I was in a dark place. You know, life sometimes is a bit much. But yeah, it's a sad song, but yeah. So it was theory and feeling low. <laughs> you want to describe the dark place a bit? What can I say? Um, I'd say betrayal mm -hmm. and also shock. Betrayal and shock. Yeah. So mood shifting, I guess, served as an outlet, like you said. Yeah. Because I mean, I I felt the sad part, 
but I didn't know the entire arrangement should be sad because I thought it's just you know as the title of the song says mood shifting. Yeah. So it starts yeah. off at, you know this mood comes you know you go down you feel sad and then again I think towards the end again it's a bit yeah. happier. Yeah. So yeah, a big big up to you for that. I I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. And I'm so sad that I missed it. I missed out on it when it first came out. But you know, something about music, I feel that it's it's timeless. For sure. Like I find myself, you know, going back to you know the '80s, listening to Boys to Men, sure. and I still like it. You know, I told you when I was young, I used to think it was those like Oye songs my aunties and my uncles used to listen to. But now I'm like, mm-hmm. this sounds good. Yeah, yeah, good music lasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, jeez, uh, <laughs> I'm even confused because I'm What's just thinking about the emotion. Segment? Yeah, um, let me just transition to the next segment where I ask you three questions. Don't think too much about them; they're just very simple questions. Okay. And my first question for you is: What's your ideal breakfast? Tea, uh-huh. pancakes, and uh-huh. eggs. The fluffy pancakes or like the crepe, crepe-like pancakes. Fluffy souffle. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, pour all the baking soda. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a nice one. Um, the second question I have for you is, who would your dream dinner guest be? Simple. Beyonce, Giselle, Knowles, Carter. Why why Beyonce? Oh, Beyonce is a queen. Uh-huh. Beyonce is a queen. She's the whole package, you know. Mm-hmm. She represents hard work, passion, you know, flair. She's an entertainer of entertainers, you know, and she still balances her whole life. Like she really looks from the outside she looks definitely she's not perfect. But she's definitely an icon, and yeah. Did you like her last? Um, I think it was like a Netflix documentary about her. Did you have you seen it? Well, I've I've seen snippets of it, and I've watched the music videos. I haven't watched the movie itself, but um, as an African, my heritage comes first. So I felt personally a bit misrepresented as an mm-hmm. african and i'm not sure if she's it's her place to do something like that so um for the culture absolutely not but for the artistry yeah she's she's tried all right and my last question for you is one word that describes you Can it have a hyphen? Yeah, sure. I'd say um, strong-willed. Strong-willed. Yeah. I'm tempted to ask why, but I I feel like I already know why. <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that. Once there's a time we used to have intimate conversations. Apo after class eight, Alvin. You know, after class eight, I was a joker. <laughs> when you were serious. I think between you and I, you were more serious. For real? Yeah. I think the other way around. How? How so? I doubted. Class eight. I. 
Yeah, like every time, every time I used to talk to you, I used to feel like, okay, now I have to be a bit serious because, you know, Alvin is not like for joking Kavisa. <laughs> but then I can see because of the way we were in such a big group and things started intertwining, then you start also knowing people from different angles. I don't know if it makes sense. You do make sense. Actually, I even forgot to mention how we met. Um, maybe I can take this time to say how we met, but... Yeah. Um, Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I feel like this was after class eight, post class eight. I am not too sure whether we, we've met in we met in person at that time, uh, but I believe that I had friends from your primary Makini, right? And yeah. I think there's a time they organized a meetup in Village Market, and I showed up. So I don't know if I met you then or I met or I met you post that. So. I yeah, was there. You were there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that group, by the way, it was so aggressive. It was uh, so aggressive. Like, it was fun. Yeah, uh, guys, this was like back then in 2013 and 2012 when people used yeah. to make WhatsApp groups. And yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. Was it called like the Nyos family or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> That was the name. The Nyos Mara, it, it used to like um morph. The name used to change change, but Nyos was like the surname of the group. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah, those were fantastic times. Yeah. Wow. Um let's see. So you study law, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> So how do you balance between music and law? Because the opposite opposite sides of the spectrum. Well, um, it's you like everyone. I think everyone is limitless, and there's nothing too um, out of the way such that you can't balance or bring two different dreams or ideas together. So for me, um, my school is a bit lenient on time. So, like, I don't have to be in school for long periods of time. Then also, um, to be honest, um, I feel like they are both they are both humanities. So there's the aspect of I use like the same side of my brain but today, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they 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 go together because at the end of the day, laws are things that set the ground for how society runs. Whether it's music business, you know, whether it's anything really or contracts or signing like it's actually very crucial to me wanting to be an artist or an independent artist so i pick what i can and yeah also just surviving school i mean it's eight for four you just read for example <laughs> no but you see i feel like law is so different because of the the content you consume I don't know how, do you have to, I don't know, read the constitution and like know it by heart or something like that? I'm just assuming that that's how it goes. Mm. So this is the thing, that whole constitution thing about saying by heart is usually a stereotype. However, um, the more you, with each unit, it covers a a different aspect of the law. So you're always going through the constitution. So what happens is, those articles just stick like it comes naturally by the time you're finishing law school or going to school of law or you know you have like an idea of the constitution and it's not that big it only has eight chapters guys 
<laughs> so it's a bit of both we don't read it itself but the way you refer to it you'll know where things are mm-hmm. yeah wow um i'm still trying to wrap my head around law and music but <clears throat> let's see would you ever consider i don't know practicing law that i would say like would defend the arts Yeah, especially especially in Kenya, like wasanit konamashida. You know, we are not even um, we are not in the bill for minimum wage. So in minimum wage, there's juakali, there's house girls, there's literally everyone under the sun, watchmen except artists, and that's why artists are not paid their worth. So for me, that's something that I'm very passionate about. And if you're going to bring change, you might as well be part of them. Because as a musician, I get it. So if I'm able to defend others, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, I know earlier you mentioned that hip hop is where it's at. I want to get like a feel of the type of music you vibe with, and also the type of music you like playing. Okay. So for vibes, I like everything. Every music has its own um, purpose, per se. And music just cuts across all kinds of cultures. So, yeah, do I like pop music? Yeah, it's relatable, accessible, the listenability is easy. Of course, I love reggae, you know. I like to relax, have a good time, and just have positive vibes. And that's what reggae music is. You know, hip-hop, trap, you know, it's, like I said, it's the culture, you know, when you want to be that bad bitch or whatever that's the kind of music that i listen to Uh you know alternative electronic that's experimental kind of futuristic sounds you know Mm -hmm. that's where like technology gets into music and so it's always changing always vibing it opens up then definitely there's african music and i'm african so yeah literally everything as for playing I study jazz a lot because I'm a saxophone player. And for saxophone, it's founded deeply straight in jazz. There's no way around it. If you're going to be a saxophonist, you have to study your jazz music. You have to study Miles Davis, Charlie Parker, you know, Coltrane, all these guys. You have to know their music front back. So that's what I do for studying. As for playing, I would say I do a bit of both both like um, easier forms of music, but jazz is where my study is at or in, yeah. So when you say you study it, what exactly is studying music in, okay, in this so case? Study, yeah, so studying music or studying music pieces. So you first, history obviously comes first. So which era, which years, what was... Um, like what was going on at the time that caused the musicians to write certain kinds of music. Then you go into reading the music itself, understanding the chord changes, the notes, you know, the um, techniques that they use to play certain speeds and bring out certain emotions. And then you replicate it because, you know, imitation is the highest level of flattery, you know? So <laughs> if, you're able to have, if you're able to have a grip of, the greats in music and then you apply that to your day and your present 
then you're going to become really good really fast. And that's why people like focus so much on getting an education, going to like Berkeley and all those kind of schools and stuff. So what's your end goal with playing the sax? Like where do you still see yourself in five years? Let's do five years. So um, definitely I want to make as much of my own music as possible. I'd also, I'd also really like to tour and to do many live shows because um, here in Nairobi, we're not so many women that play instruments. So I feel like I need to get that narrative out of, yeah, there are girls here in Nairobi who are killing it. You know, it's not only men who can do these things. So for me, that's also very important to me, for me to stand up for women and girls who are in music. Mm. So yeah, performance is very close to my heart. So performing and spreading the news that we also know how to play musical instruments <laughs> is mm. important. Yeah, yeah. So far, what can you say is or has been your best performance? Hey, that's a tough question. <laughs> I'm sure all of them have been fantastic, but which one do you think stands out for you? Maybe is it the scene or where you are at in your life at that point? Maybe that can help you answer it. So I... I have, well, a couple, but there's one performance and it wasn't at it because of the technicality or how beautifully I played, but it was a church gig. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I think it was around um, Christmas time. I don't remember which song I was playing, but I remember starting the song and I don't remember playing anything. And by the end of the song, I was crying. Like, it was so emotional. It was so deep. And I was like, girl, I didn't even know that's how you were feeling. So, yeah, it was about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's really stuck in my mind and in my heart. It was nice. Amazing, amazing. I feel like I want to talk more about, like, more on the music scene. Because you said you really study uh, culture and Miles Davis. Um I don't know too much about like that form of jazz because I, I know that's like 1950s, around the uh, 20s. Yeah. Was that during like the Harlem re- Renaissance? Yes, yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so basically jazz, jazz music started definitely with blues, you know, and the blues is uh, was made by black American slaves in America who are really going through it. So they had certain lines that were like, crying yet singing and that's how the blues came into play then with um, musical instruments and for black people who are not being accepted in certain musical areas they started creating their own rhythms from ragtime jazz then there's bebop and the rest and swing so for them it was really a culture and during that time most of the music is live so the musicians are really good you know mm-hmm. either you're the best or you're at home then like for somebody like charlie parker he used to play the saxophone 15 hours a day for the first four years of his life and during that time yeah times were different guys weren't necessarily going to school and all that but it shows you if you're doing one thing for 15 hours a day for four mm-hmm. years um you're really gonna be <laughs> quite good so mm-hmm. they're at a point in the musicianship where 
no one has been able to match up to them. So the best thing we can do is study them. Mm -hmm. And then now there are modern jazz, jazz musicians like Jacob Collier, who everyone loves, Lala Hathaway, all those kind of guys. Yeah. Um, about Jacob Collier, I would like to know your thoughts on his new album, uh, Jesse Volume Three. Do you would you say that's his best work, or do you prefer his earlier work? So what I think is, um, Jacob Collier is a musical genius. That mm. goes without saying. So for his first two albums, um, the as a musician, I feel like they were better in terms of the musicality and the intricacies of his music. However, this new album um, will be able to reach a bigger audience. It's slightly simpler in terms of the musical. So the listenability is better and all that. So I'd say he's just morphed into a more all-rounded all kind of musician. So you get better because, you know, the better you get at something that, you know, you don't have to jaza so many things to reach people and yeah so it's a mix of both but for him any day anytime love him because mm -hmm. yeah. i think when i first discovered jacob collier it was through my friend uh, moniki and it was very tough to listen to him because i feel like yeah. volume one and volume two are more with orchestras so i wasn't used to that type of jazz so it took time for me to like warm up to it but eventually when i started like understanding what it's all about it just sounded perfect because there's that like balance and harmony brought out through the orchestra and i feel like his voice is so soothing like i can probably listen to his voice anytime any minute because it just sounds so good um there's this one thing you did it, it looked like a collage with different musicians for the Queen Latifah thing. Could you tell me about that? Well, um, yeah. So there's um, some musicians from US. I think in America, you are celebrating Juneteenth, mm -hmm. which I still don't understand the concept, but like it was a celebration or some sort of. So the, um, the whole video is just about diversity and, you know, playing together. And the fact that we are ladies, you can come together, build each other, so it literally took one day that whole project in fact a few hours like i'd say four hours because um uh val she's the lady on the drum she was like in charge of the pro project she made everyone's um lines and everything then yeah we just came together sent videos yeah and it came together it was really cool actually and to think that I have never met these people. They've never met me. And probably without Corona, that would have never happened. It was pretty cool. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I was wondering like how it all came together. Yeah, but that's cool, Nama. Um, again, big ups to you. Doing great things out here. And now I'm just going to you know, ask you, do you have any other interests aside from music like what makes nama nama apart from apart from playing the sax well i like hanging out with friends talking but i think you know that already yeah so talking actually i really like talking <laughs> um, so, yeah um i'm not i wouldn't say i'm adventurous like a nature kind of person 
Uh-huh. But like catch me dead, G camping and all that shit. Like why would I go and leave the house to suffer and pay for it? <laughs> Absolutely not. But yeah, like just uh, visiting friends. I think um, if I was able to, I'd also travel a lot more. So that's something that uh, I really care about. Yeah. What would you say would be your two top destinations that you want to go to? Hmm. Ibiza. Oh, party life. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and maybe Caribbean islands, you know, also like Jamaica. Like, I think everybody low-key wants to go to Jamaica. You know, just for like three days, you see the culture. Like, those people look like they've hacked, like, you know, like Mm -hmm. they know how to be zen in a capitalistic world. (laughs) So, yeah, those two. Because I, I feel like Jamaica looks more like a calm vibe. You know, everyone yeah. just telling you maybe, oh, Wagwan, brother, you know, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would, I would love to, to go to Jamaica as well. Actually, I have a friend here in school. She's from Anguilla. And when she's describing, like, the lifestyle, she says it's so easygoing, no hassle wow. and bustle, like, you know, how Nairobi is. Mm-hmm. Everyone's trying to, you know, get the grind on. Because I always tell yeah. people here, you go to Nairobi at any hour, you'll find people just moving around. It's always busy. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh-huh. it's, and you know, here it's like Madison is more of a, it's a chill city for most Americans who haven't, like live in the suburbs. When they come to the city, they think, oh, this is like big, this is huge. But now I try to describe Nairobi to them and tell them like, you just need to come and see for yourself. Come. Yeah. You need to come come down to Africa and see it for yourself. By the Nairobi Kwizuba Utalalanja. You just mm-hmm. you rest for two minutes, hey? Nairobi is busy. It's not even, even during Corona, is it still busy? Because I haven't been home maybe for eight months, so I don't know the situation. You know, as in it's as in it's a third world country. People will, you know, people like here in Nairobi. People say this, you know, whether you go to work and get corona or you stay home and don't work, you're gonna die either from poverty or corona. So might as well go to work. You know, secure the mm-hmm. bag as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Everyone for himself. So Nama, what what upcoming projects should we look forward to from you? So actually, I have a couple of singles. Mm-hmm. So it's not a combined project, but there are different collaborations. So a bit of jazz, electronic, and African kind of zilizopendwa sounds. Yeah. So yeah, a couple of collaborations, but like legit sooner than you think. Like if you just blink, takupita. <laughs> Oh, yeah, soon. <laughs> and can we like expect an album or like an EP? Well, um, definitely, that's something that's very important. But for that, I'd, it's gonna be a more long-term project because if I'm doing that, then I need to figure out a storyline to do that. But let's see how the songs do first, because the songs that I'd say the music that's coming is eighty-five percent ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after that, maybe we'll look into that. Yeah. All right. So, well, we're about to come to the end of the episode. 
And as always, I normally have like one last question for my guest. And this week, um, because we're about to start September, I think this week I've been reflecting about, um, you know, gratitude, what the things we're grateful for in life right now. I mean, most of us started the year thinking that, you know, ah, 2020 is going to be my year. And Miss Rona just decided to, you know, show up. <laughs> so what, what three things are you grateful for in your life right now? Um, definitely one. Most importantly, I'm grateful for the gift of music. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for all my loved ones because, yeah, like Corona shows how fleeting life is. And I'm grateful for my relationship with God. I think it's also grown during Corona and I feel like it's, um, it's a backbone, you know. It's a safe haven in life. And it's a life hack, Loki, by the way. <laughs> talking to him. <laughs> so, yeah, mm-hmm. those are the three things I'm grateful for. Would you say you, you're, like, in constant conversation with him despite, like, let's say, you know, most people, I feel, search for him when things are going wrong. But would you say you're the type to just, you know, always say, like, you know, what's up, this is what's going on with me right now, you know, the music is going really well, you know, type of thing. Are you, are you just that kind of person? No. You know, something about God, like what I've, I've come to understand is it's a very personal relationship. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it like in a relationship kind of way, you can't expect every day to be roses and flowers and chocolates. But there's the aspect of he doesn't change. The situations change but he doesn't. So whether it's good or it's bad, he's faithful. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. beautiful. Um, let's see, for myself, since I said I was reflecting about gratitude, um, number one, I'm grateful for my parents. I think the relationship I have with my parents has, has grown. You know, as you're growing as a kid, so are your parents. So I think... Yeah. For, for the three of us, we kind of like grew together. So I feel like right now I'm at a point where I can talk to them about anything and obviously they would understand. Um, the second thing I'm grateful for is, I'd say like creativity in general. <laughs> like I think because of Corona, a lot of, there's been like a lot of shift in creativity I recently joined TikTok, so I'm watching a lot of people doing nice things on TikTok. Um, also, I've had a lot of time to like shift, like sift through my social media, see who's doing what, and it's really amazing. And also for like the opportunity to speak to such people like you, creatives who are just doing their own thing and and somewhat say making it. I I really like that, and I. Appreciate like yeah. all of you for the work you put out there. It really inspires all of us. And the third thing I'm grateful for is is friends. <laughs> I I think I said it in the last episode, but I I do love my friends. I appreciate all of them for the support. And you know, I guess in this journey of life, I think there's an African proverb that says like. 
if you do things alone, you'll go fast. But if you do things together with other people, you'll go very far. So yeah. I'm grateful for my friends. Yeah. Mm. Deep. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean to sound. I really like, I really like the parents one because they're not always easy or straightforward relationships to have. Especially mm-hmm. with African parents, they're not as emotionally available or equipped let me say equipped because i think they really do try like genuinely they really do try and it's also us to also show them how to you know adapt so the growth on both sides is actually really healthy mm-hmm. yeah well now i guess we've come to the end of the episode and i feel like you've been a really enthusiastic guests like every time i talk to you it's like i just you're just like a breath of fresh air like you're so refreshing <laughs> thank you well <laughs> and honestly I, i would honestly love to talk to talk more with you about different things just apart from music and general like life yeah and yeah i want to thank you for your time Thank you for having me. I feel more validated now, you know. I'm on a podcast, guys. A whole podcast by Alvin Poo. Yeah. No, you know, actually, I think someone's written an article about you, right? So you've always been someone. I I think I saw it, I saw it on your feed. I didn't really have the time to just go read the entire article, but it was like jazz never dies or something like that. I don't know if you remember it. But I think I know the one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Your picture was amongst other pictures as well. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you see, I feel like you've always just been like in the limelight. <laughs> well, you know, the game is the game, but anyway, we thank God like for real. We thank God. Yeah, so also I want to tell you that you shouldn't ever feel like an imposter. Like never never think of yourself as one because you know what you're doing. literally it's been 6 years and there are plenty more years to come i'm sure you're going to do amazing things during those years amen yeah so thank you once again and to my listeners if you've gotten this far i also want to thank you for your time i wish you an amazing week and i guess i'll see you in the next episode um goodbye <laughs>